0: Well, there was a time in this world where everyone thought the world was flat, and if you thought it was round, you could get killed for that, but we were wrong. There was a time in this world when we, we thought in the, in the medical field that if someone was poisoned, that you should bleed them until the poison leaves, and we were wrong. There was a time when we thought that war with the USSR was inevitable. We would go to war with Russia but we were wrong, at least in that context. There was a time when we thought the only way to ever get on the internet was through AOL.com. <laughs> we were real wrong about that. The point is this, is that people change their minds. There's, there's ingrained thought processes we have, there's ideas that we have, and we think we'll never think differently. But the evidence is on the side of change. People do change their minds. They change their minds on a regular basis. So we're talking about anger. We're we're talking about anger as a preventative message as you go into Thanksgiving and the Christmas holidays because you're gonna get ticked off sometime by your family and it's not a sin to get angry as far as the emotions and the natural reaction. But there is a great question of what are you gonna do with your anger? And I want you to decide beforehand that you're going to respond correctly to those emotions of anger. And how are you going to do that? Well, today I want to suggest that you're going to have to repattern your mind. You're going to have to repattern the way you think. And a lot of us think that is impossible. We think that our habits, our reactions, our anger, it's just the way we are. It's the way we've always been. And it's the way we're always going to be. But I say with, with God, that's nonsense because God is in the transformation business and he's always working on us. He's always chipping away on the things that aren't supposed to be there and he's birthing the things that should be there. And I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 12 because I want you to see that clearly. And if you have your Bibles, just go to Romans 12. If you have a smartphone, we have something called Uversion, which you can go to live events and... Under live events, you will recognize several different churches in the area, but go to the Church of Indian Lake, mainly because you're at the Church of Indian Lake right now. And there will be the the sermon notes preloaded. Anger management. The possibility, the possibility before us that God can change the things we cannot change ourselves. God can change our habits. God can change our minds. But it all starts with how you live in your life. Are you living your life for yourself? Or are you living your life for him? Because the way we live our life is worship. And no challenge is as great as during the holiday seasons when we're with our families and when, we, when we're with our friends and the words we choose and the, the choices we make and the attitudes we have. Our worship to God See, I used to, on Thanksgiving and Christmas, I used to try to go on vacation and I would want to go on vacation for being a preacher altogether. One of the, the, the downsides of being a preacher is you always have to say the prayer at the family event. And in my 20s, I was like, hey, I ain't praying today. I'm taking the day off. Well, that's ridiculous. I've matured since that because it's in those moments of real interaction that the way we live is worship. We live a life of worship in our thoughts, our attitudes, our kindness, the words we choose. And Romans chapter 12 is probably a familiar scripture to you, but it just, it is something we need to be reminded of over and over and over again. Romans 12, starting with verse one, it says it this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship? There's the point I just made. Now, verse two, here's the, the crux of the sermon. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I put the, I, I put the reinforcements here as far as boldness and, and underlining the words for a reason. If God says this is possible, the renewal of your mind, meaning you're thinking one way, but God's gonna make those thoughts new. You're reacting one way, but God's gonna give you a new reaction. This is the will of God for you, you're not hopeless. Uh, You have a God who wants to change you and change your mind. And we're gonna use this scripture, verse two, as a filter. It could be a filter for anything. It can be a filter for any type of behavior. But since we're talking about anger, it's a filter for anger. And you see the words that are underlined in verse two, the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. This is a great starting point to to ask certain questions about all of our behavior. But let's talk about anger today. Because we're talking about ways to manage those emotions, ways to manage those feelings, ways to manage that reaction. And I'm gonna ask you four questions based off Romans 12, too. And the first one is this Is my anger the will of God? Is my anger the will of God? See, the wrong question is Do they deserve it? Because the very fact that you're angry means they deserve it. You can always justify your anger. You can always come up with a reason why your anger is deserved and the other person should get the wrath that you're gonna give, your rage. But the question that we forget to ask, is my anger the will of God? Is my anger God's will? And you know, there is such thing as righteous anger. There is a time when anger is appropriate. And I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this message and thinking, God, when is a time in my life when I had righteous anger? And I couldn't think of when righteous anger was appropriate for my life until I led the youth retreat the last two days. (laughs) Spending two days with teenagers, I got to understand what righteous anger is. Sometimes it is appropriate to get ticked off. Now I must say that our teenagers are fantastic and, you know, to God's glory and to parents' glory and to their, to their credit, we really didn't have any problem with our kids. Not one. It, it was the best behaved trip that I can ever remember. And I was a youth pastor for nine years. So the issue was not with us. There was an issue, though, because another church was on the same property that we were. And that, uh, yesterday morning, we, we have a, a group of kind of some younger kids that are real athletic. They're sixth and seventh graders. And, and these guys are studs. I know they're great athletes because they kicked my tail at every sport we played together. I'm a humble man today because these 11, 12 and 13 year olds smoked me at everything. And so they were playing kickball. Someone was brilliant enough to design a custom made kickball field on this campground, I'm looking at our 17 acres, I'm thinking that's not a bad idea for us. I wanna see some of you play kickball, that would be the best entertainment we'd ever have. So our guys are playing kickball, these, these younger guys from our church, and all of a sudden, another church, their session was let loose. And I see a group of probably freshmen and sophomores, 14, 15, 16 year olds, that they start walking towards the kickball field. They're not just walking, they're walking with purpose. They're not just now a youth group. They are a posse, ready to take on these un, unexpecting youngsters. And so they kind of walk by me and I try to say a joke to them and they kind of smart off to me. I'm getting a little offended and I thought oh, it's on now, it's on. They're about to take on my boys. So they start playing, our guys, and, and one of our sixth graders, a great athlete, he, you know, he nails the ball. And he and he runs around first base and gets around first base and this older kid shoves him and doesn't let him back to first base. So I'm getting a little concerned here. And I just, I said to the, the young man from the other church, I'd met him earlier in the bathroom and I said, hey buddy, I said, you know, I met you earlier and you're a nice guy, but you're falling off that cliff really fast. And so he said, sorry, sir. And and uh, we, we, we dealt with that. Then the next ball's kicked and one of our sixth grader, he runs to second base and as he is rounding second base, this 15-year-old trips him and he tries to recover and he pushes him down. Can I just tell you now, my anger was the will of God at this moment. So I yelled out to him, hey, bozo, I like, how's it feel to pick on a sixth grader, you sissy? Okay, I didn't use those right words, but I said it on the inside. I was actually more the responsible adult. And so we corrected the situation. Can I just tell you one other thing? Our sixth and seventh graders kicked their butt at kickball. What wasn't even close. So yeah. So, so there, there are those rare moments when righteous anger is appropriate. And I like to think that I had that yesterday. And Jesus gives us an example of when he showed a righteous anger. Let's go to John chapter two. John chapter two And we'll start in verse 13. And this is the story of him clearing out the temple. And I'm gonna read, but I'm gonna give you some commentary as we read. It says, the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons. Now, the reason they were selling these is that people had traveled from different parts of the Mediterranean world and they needed these animals for temple sacrifice. And then on top of that, it says, and the money changers sitting there. Uh, the money changers, this is not unlike uh, a time you may have been in an international airport and you've seen a currency exchange uh, where, where you're trading money for money currency that you need and there's usually a fee involved. And, and in this, this day, the day that this scripture was written, um, there was a particular currency that the temple needed. They needed a, a certain type of money. So you had, you had very devout religious people who had come from different parts of the known world to worship God. And when they got there, they, they may not have had the right animal. And they certainly probably didn't have the right amount of money. And so evidently, these money changers, as it so often happens today, was charging a huge amount of interest. And, and the issue here uh, was not just a Economic reality, it was an issue of injustice. It was an issue that in a place that was supposed to be, excuse me, in a place that was supposed to be holy, unholy things were happening. In a place that was supposed to be equal where all men could come to the temple of the Lord. They were taking advantage of the poor. They were taking advantage of the traveler. They were taking advantage of of those who weren't prepared to worship the Lord. It was consumerism in, in religious practice at its worst. And we feel that way too. It's, isn't it feel terrible when, when a religious personality takes advantage, takes advantage of those who are poor through fundraising techniques that are, that are just sickening? We've seen it happen too. And this is what, what's happened here. And so, going on in the narrative to verse fifteen, and now we see in making a whip of cords, that's Jesus. He drove them all out of the temple. As I was reflecting on this. I think this is a great reminder that Jesus wasn't impulsive here because to make a whip of cords, that takes some thought. It takes some time. You see, righteous anger has a timing element to it. That's why Jesus did it right. And I probably never have, or maybe rarely have. So he he made the whip. he He prepared. And then we'll read the rest of the story and, And he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and he overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, and this is an Old Testament quote, zeal for your house will consume me. In other words, there is a right time to get mad. There's a righteous anger. But for you and I, I would say that we have to really be walking close to the Lord. I mean, really walking in the spirit, really into the word, really in tune to God, to prayer, to make sure that we're operating in the spirit of Jesus. Because most of our anger doesn't have to do with God's house. It has to do with our house and our offense and our, what we perceive to be injustice. So As we we talked about last week, James chapter one, we're not gonna read that scripture. Man's anger doesn't bring about the righteousness of God, but there is a Jesus kind of anger and he demonstrates it to us. So the question is, is my anger the will of God? If you begin to ask that, that, that question changes your behavior. Not do they deserve it, not is it time, not is it justified, but is it the will of God? And just from practical experience, When I respond to situations that most of the time there needs to be some reasonable amount of waiting to really respond the way God wants us to. Not all the time, but most of the time it's that way. So we have that. Is this the will of God? What a great filter. What a great speed bump for you before you race off into anger. What a speed bump to ask. Is this your will, God? Not does it feel good? Because as I said last week, anger feels good. I mean, I mean, often it, it, it feels empowering. We say things we normally wouldn't say. We, we're emboldened. But in the end, if it's not God's will, we have a bigger mess than before. So why not ask on the front end, is it God's will? Because when I think about the times I've reacted in anger and man's anger, my life has usually gone bad. It's usually just gone bad for me. Here's a second filter that, that we have from Romans 12 too. Is my anger good? Because most of the time, my anger's bad. Is my anger really good? You know, when we're going through it, it feels good when we're, when we're giving our opinion or lashing out or speaking against or, the, or, or giving people our peace of our mind and what they deserve. It feels good at the time, but at the end, it usually isn't. And I think sometimes that we don't see how destructive our anger is. It's become an acceptable sin. It's become kind of a cute little pet we keep around like a little sin. You know, we're gonna get rid of all the wild animals in our life, but we have this one little cute pet. It's our one little sin, because anger, everyone deals with anger, right? My anger's no big deal. Well, I wanna push back against that by showing you what the scripture says. Galatians chapter five, verse 19. This is right in the middle of a passage that's talking about either walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit doing things your way doing things your way or doing things God's doing things God's way and this verse 19 it says it really clearly now the works of the flesh are evident another version says version of the bible a translation of the bible says the works of the flesh are obvious and it starts making this list not a comprehensive list but to give you an idea sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry, most of us who are Christians would believe that's that's a work of the flesh, sorcery, that's a work of the flesh, enmity, strife, jealous, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, the scripture goes on. But wait a second, look, look what I underlined there. Because right in the middle of these obvious big sins, it's fits of anger. You know, what we think is just a personality flaw, we think just as a cultural characteristic. We think it's just uh, the way we are because of our gene- genetic makeup. We we have a certain way we respond in anger. You now the Bible says it's a sin. Fits of anger—that's a work of the flesh. Fits of anger doesn't come from the Spirit of God. Doesn't come from the Spirit of the Lord. It's a work of the flesh. And so the question is: Is this good? Because Romans twelve two says everything should be. The will of God is good, is good. Is this anger gonna be good for me? Is this anger gonna be good for the people that I lash out against? Is this anger God's will for me? Is this anger gonna bring good to everyone around me? Because you've probably had it happen to you. Have you ever got just really ticked off and really angry, and maybe even you felt like it was righteous anger, and then you found out you didn't have the facts straight, You'd wasted all that energy and anger based off false information. I was trying to think of an example of this. I think, okay, Lord, when does this happen to me? And I couldn't really come nothing specific came to mind, so I asked Beth, my wife, I said, Hey, has there ever been a time when I've got angry based off false information? And she didn't answer me. But I wish you could have seen the look on her face because that answered me plenty. It was, and it's probably happened so many times, we can't even think of a specific example. What week, what day? We've got all worked up and and someone like me who I have a leadership gift, a a driving personality, I'm quick to make judgments, quick to make decisions, let's move things forward. I can give you a plan, I have a a strategy to to make sure how we're gonna get loaded into the van and get to the next spot and, and little things can make me mad. Little things can make me angry. And so asking her that question is a reminder to me and to all of us. We all do that. And it does does not go good. It does not go good. Our anger does not produce good around us. So here's the third question. Is my anger acceptable? Because when I think about times when I've reacted in anger based off false information, I think that is completely unacceptable, unacceptable behavior. Well, if that's the truth, when it's based off wrong information, then it's probably the truth when it's based off correct information also, that our anger really isn't acceptable. Now, it might be acceptable in our culture, or it might be acceptable in our own family rules that we've established. It might be acceptable among our groups of friends, but we're not looking to that standard. I'm looking to God's standard. I'm looking to God's standard. And by that, I've been reminded today of a beautiful scripture that raises a standard for us as God's people. The standard is raised because we're not here just simply to be socially acceptable. We're here to please somebody. And that's in Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians uh, chapter one, starting with verse 11, it says, in him, being Jesus, we've obtained an inheritance, having be, been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ, look at this phrase, might be to the praise of his glory. Now that's poetic language. It's a, Ephesians chapter one is a beautiful, beautiful reading or writing, and it's beautiful to read. It's very poetic. Sometimes words are so beautiful, we don't sense their power. Look at those words on the screen so that we might be to the praise of his glory, meaning that the way we conduct our lives and the way we choose words and the attitudes we display and the ways we react to feelings of anger is to the praise of his glory. I mean, we praise God by the way we respond. We praise God by the way we live. We praise God with the choices we make to the praise of his glory. And so my question to you, as God's son, as God's daughter, as someone who's been predestined, adopted, who you've been marked by him, you've been given his name, is your anger acceptable? Come on, really, is that what God's looking for in you? Because I think that in my life, and I'm thinking in your life too, you can look back and you can see ways you responded in anger and it's just, it's unacceptable if you're God's kid. If you're God's child, that's just not the kind of behavior he wants from his people. He really isn't. And, and this applies to every person. You know, anger can accomplish things, but those things in the end, those things won't, won't, won't last. When you build something based off anger, it'll crumble when you least suspect it. But when you build based off love and God's love, that's a foundation that'll last forever. It will because it's unchanging and that's who he is. I know this has been, maybe some of you are thinking, this is a tough message as far as, as it applies to me. You're not letting me off, Aaron. You're not, you're not letting me off the hook here. You're not excusing my anger. I'm certainly not excusing my anger. So I'm not excusing yours either. Well, then this last point might be a little, this last question, this last filter is gonna seem ultimately tough because the last question is this. You've probably figured it out. Is my anger perfect? Is my anger perfect? What? I mean, how can you even ask that? Is my anger perfect? Well, here's, here's the reason why. Anger can be so destructive that this will slow us down, this question of perfection. You see, our, our, the phrase that we apply to our generation is this, hey, nobody's perfect. We love saying that. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. Hey, nobody's perfect. But look what the scripture says in Matthew 5:48. It says this, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now this scripture when it's read in context in the, in the full gospel, doesn't take us back to that legalistic, every time you make a mistake, you've lost the right to heaven, theology. That's not true. That's not what Jesus or Paul had in mind. No way. But what it does is this, is it raises the standard where we can't simply say, hey, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect for Jesus. I'm not gonna concentrate. I'm not gonna make adjustments. I'm not gonna make a change. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Let's just forget about it. No, there's this sense that because of the grace of Jesus, because of the forgiveness of Jesus, because he went and pulled us out of the pit and he gave us the promise of heaven, we should strive for perfection in everything. Not perfection in the negative sense of you're never gonna get there, but perfection in the sense that God and his message is so great, it's pulling us forward. And so to thank God Hey, I'm angry. It's just the way I am. Man, that's not what God wants for you. said, he, he wants you to ask Is my anger, is it God's will? Is my anger, is it good? Is my anger acceptable? Is my anger perfect? If not, we gotta give it to the Lord. We gotta let him work on us. We gotta say, God, keep chipping away my anger. Keep chipping away my resentment. God, keep helping me with my reaction. God, keep, keep growing me in what I choose, and what I say, and even in the facial expressions that I give. I want to please you, Lord. You know, a lot of times we'll we'll blame certain things. We'll blame everything, the region of the country we're from. We'll say, well, we're Southerners. And Southern people, we don't get dishonored. You talk bad about my mama, I'm going to come get you because that's what we do in these parts. Are, are we... we we think we're part of some ethnic group, a particular one that is notorious for their temper and that gives us an excuse. Well, I'm, I'm of this nationality or I'm of this race and this is just how we react. Nonsense. You know, there might be a sociological study by some university that says certain people respond this way. But that's not God's standard for you. That's not what God's trying to say for you. God's saying, be perfect. As your heavenly father is perfect. Keep working on it. Keep improving. Keep getting better. Keep walking with me. Keep making the changes necessary to be the man or woman of God that I want you to be. And he wants you to use this afternoon and the coming days as an opportunity to manage his feelings of anger so you can glorify Jesus and glorify Jesus with your choices. Now let's pray about that. Father, I just, as I'm talking to my friends today, I sense people who are eager to please you. Lord, I sense that they're with me. They're not wanting anger to be a thief, but instead, God, they wanna manage those natural emotions and instead be overcomers. Thank you, God, you have made us overcomers. You've made us victorious. We're not victims, God. Lord, we're victors. God, we are going to overcome. Lord, Past habits, past mistakes, because God, that's who you are. I want to remind you today as you're praying with me that you won't be able to change by self-will. You won't be able to change by behavior modification. You won't be able to change simply by uh, self-talk and giving yourself a pep talk every day. You'll be able to change when you live in the shadow of a God who never changes, a God who is the same in every era, among every people. He is the God whose character has been revealed through his word. He is a God whose grace is seeking you out. And when you walk with him, you will bear, you will have the type of fruit that he wants you to have. That's who our God is. Our God wants you to be fruitful with the good things and he can change you. He can change your mind. I started out this sermon talking about things we thought would never change. Well, some of us, we think that about ourselves. We think we're always gonna be the same. We're always gonna have a temper. We're always gonna react Incorrectly, We're always going to speak when we shouldn't speak. And I say through the power of Jesus, no way. God's here to change you from the inside out. And sometimes it it doesn't happen in an instant. It's a process. But if you believe that today, that he can change you, he'll begin that change and he'll start that journey. He'll start it. But the first thing you have to believe, you got to believe what Galatians 5, 20 said, that your anger is a work of the flesh. Can you, and and I want you to make that decision right now. In this moment we have together, I want us to have a moment to reflect and think about this. Could you believe with what the scripture says that man's anger is a work of the flesh? Fits of anger, rage. God's saying today, no more excuses, no more justifying, no more protection. Instead, transformation. He wants to start transforming you. I want to let this sink into your heart for a second. Some of us, our hearts are hurting right now because we can remember the damage that's come from anger. Maybe it's among family members. Maybe it was something that really affected our career path but anger really has stolen from you anger has stolen from you i want to tell you this there's nothing you can do about the anger that is stolen but there is a god who can restore things in his time and his way you can't do anything about the anger that's hurt your past but there is a god a god who can restore your future Would you stand with me all across this room in the attitude of prayer? We're gonna worship the Lord a little bit before I dismiss. We're gonna worship God, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. We're going to worship God, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. We're not not—we're going to worship God, not because we're people who have managed anger perfectly, but we have a God who's given us a chance when we haven't managed anger perfectly. We're going to worship God, not because our past is great, but because our future is better. We're going to worship God because even though we can't make a change, he's a God who can make a change and he's working on us year by year, week by week, day by day, Conversation by conversation, moment by moment, our God is at work. And though the world is going to more chaos, more entropy, more, more and more uh, uncertainty, we serve a God who hasn't changed, who won't change, and His mercies are new every morning. He is faithful. And though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're becoming newer and newer every day. He's making things new. He's making the things that matter new. We have new hearts new perspectives, new attitudes, new ways to love, new joy. He's making all things new that matter. I want us, Benton leads us to worship him for not only what he's done and not only who he is, but what he's going to do in you and me. Let's spend some time lifting up.